This is the Restaurant Technology Guys podcast, helping you run your restaurant better. Welcome back to the Restaurant Technology Guys podcast. Uh, thank you all out there for joining us. It's uh, it's always fun to come out on the airwaves and share some cool new technology with you guys, and today is no exception. Today we are joined by a second-time guest, but not second-time for him, just their organization is, is represented for a second time. And we are joined by the uh, other co-founder of Grubber, um, Bavin Asher. Bavin, how's it going today? It's going pretty good. So why don't you? Uh, why, I know I know we had your co-founder on Sam uh, a couple of months back, but why don't you give uh, give our audience a little bit of an understanding of who you are before we dig into reminding people what uh, what Grubber is, and then we kind of talk a little bit about uh, about what you guys are doing to to solve industry problems out there. Sure, um, I'm Bobby Nasher. Um, I live in South Florida um, in Boca Raton. Uh, my our offices are there. I live there. I have two kids, no dog. Um, <laughs> no dog. That's that, that's not the American dream, man. Two two and a half kids and a and a dog and a white picket fence. Isn't that the way it's supposed to work? Uh, when my three year old becomes probably thirteen, maybe. But my three year old is my you know my pet. Uh, it takes some <laughs> time, attention, time, and effort. Um, um, I'm the founder and CTO at Grubber. Wonderful. So you're the you're the technical half of uh, of Grubber. I'm 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 assuming yes. since you're the CTO. Tell me a little bit about your background. Where where did the technical stuff come from? Because I'm guessing, uh, you know, if you've got two kids, you didn't. This isn't your first uh, your first foray into the technology sector. Uh, no. So I graduated with a computer science degree. Uh, joined IBM. Um, was always part of like a business consulting group. So that, that started my career at IBM. Uh, went to Germany. Did some large enterprise projects. So cutting edge call center upgrades. Uh, technology upgrades and all these, you know, Fortune 100 or Fortune 50 companies. Uh, joined Deloitte after, uh, did some strategy consulting with them, uh, again, across the globe. Um, I've lived, uh, lived in Mexico, Europe, London, uh, Asia, for projects again. So did Deloitte. After that, um, recession hit around 2011-12, uh, peak recession. I was, uh, again, I had the itch. I was bored. Like, what do I do? Um, I went back home. Uh, my home is India. So went back home in India, um, helped a couple of friends scale their startup. It was a travel startup called Musafir. Musafir means traveler in Arabic. Uh, so I helped them scale their India operations. They were based out of Dubai. Did that for fun for two years, scaled them from zero to three million, took the staff from zero to 120 people. Oh wow. uh, Realized travel, you know, you're young, you get in, you don't see the whole business aspect realized very soon. Travel, the margins are wafer thin. When I say wafer thin, it's thinner. I, I know you, you lose money most of the time. So um, came back to the US, uh, um, did some consulting, but joined Salesforce right after. Um, became the director in four years. Um, I got um, and did, again, cloud SaaS consulting for four years for every Fortune company you can think of. Um, at that, at that point I was 34, you know, you, you hit midlife crisis early. I hit a little early at 33, 34. I'm like, what am I doing? Um, I was just one of the guys of 30,000 people. Granted, I was getting promoted every year, but I'm like, I need to do something better. Right. Um, I'm always about making a difference in the world and leaving a legacy behind. I want to be 
you want to be remembered for doing something which changed the world, or at least you tried and went down trying. Versus at 60, because my kids were growing up and she was she was now five, and I'm like, I don't have many stories to tell except my traveling stories. Um, so yeah, that is where one of the, it's a, it's a famous story now. Um, uh, and it's always starts with my wife. Actually, I proposed my wife in 2010 in a helicopter. Uh, there's a video on YouTube, which I'm not very, uh, very proud about. Uh, but uh, so again, Valentine's Day, I think it was 2017, uh, uh, 2007, yeah, 2017, Feb- January, February. And I see, I was at a restaurant in Brickle in Miami um, and they were running Windows 2000. Just to give you some context, Windows 2000. Wow. Yeah. That's a long time ago. Yeah, it was like 24, 26 years ago. Um, and I'm like, this is not real because at Salesforce, we were working on deploying a lead management system for our internal Salesforce employees where Salesforce will tell you whom to call and who has the highest propensity to buy mm-hmm. based on various data points, right? Um, the tool is called Einstein now. It's available to public. And here I am staring at Windows 2000. I'm like, this is, you know, you talk about disparity between the top 1% and the top, the bottom 99%. This was a, that is that tech disparity in the restaurant industry and rest of the world. Or hospitality in general. I'll take this beyond restaurants, right? Yes. So, um, Yes, and that is where it all started. Uh, that is where the idea came in. I'm like, this is a gap, right? And I, and I was very, uh, I had done a couple of other uh, things before in recruitment and technology recruitment. Uh, was pretty successful there. That is what funded my the startup, funded Grubber initially. And I have a friend. I met him, went to his restaurant, and sat there for a week. Um, he, he's a he has multiple concepts across UK, UK and US. I'm like, you know what, I'm Mr. Sooth, I'm just going to come to your office and sit down and uh, or go to your restaurant and just sit down and just see how you operate. I just couldn't believe what I saw. And it's literally going back to the 90s where you had a, a, a cable company and you had somebody else selling you the cable. So when you uh-huh. call, there's no call center, there's a middleman. And the middleman is like, I don't know, call this 1-800 number. You call that 1-800, you go to another 1-800 that's where the restaurant industry and hospitality industry is today, even today. Yep. And that's, yep. Where the gap, and that's where the gap came in. And I'm like, that's one. And I think, and I'll move on with the story, but the second piece is also QSR, the quick service restaurants and retail. It all comes from the 1950s and 60s when there was a baby boomer uh, generation, the boom, population boom was happening. We were moving forward and McDonald's and Taco Bell and all these companies were coming up, Right. They invented the model of you standing in a line, you go into the rigors of order, and you'll see in the kitchen, fries go in first, burger goes in next, and then you they put it in a tray and they give it to you and then you pay. That was in 1960s or maybe early 60s or maybe earlier, but that has not changed even today. Yep. Everything around us, every single element of your life and our lives have changed. We don't use landlines. Uh, we don't travel by we don't travel by coal powered steam powered engines anymore. Uh, you know everything has changed around us except that experience. And yeah, well, and it's it's funny that you bring it up because um, a lot of the guests that that we've had on over the last few years, and and while much of it has been accelerated through COVID, um, you know the the restaurant industry historically has been such laggards as it relates to technology adoption, and so. 
it's funny that you come from kind of that consulting technology background and and you look at it and go, there's got to be a better way. There's got to be. I mean, this has been my entire life's history. And, and um, you know, I've been it, it's a family business that I get to work in. And, and ultimately, um, I've been I've been in this space going, if you, you know, you just want to grab people and chicken and go, you know what? Windows 2000? Are you kidding me? Like you know, and 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 the, the the part that makes me laugh even more so is is they would never have a 20 year old iPhone, but they have a 20 year old point of sale system that's paying for their iPhone, um, or a 20 year old you know kiosk system or whatever it is, pay you know that that's paying for their Mercedes payment or their or their uh, their their iPhone payment, and so it makes me laugh that uh, that they that they don't consider those things. Yeah, no, that's a yeah, that's a great anecdote, right? Yes, that's correct because. You know, the reason was because you could get, you could get kids at $4 and $3 or even for free and just pay them minimum wage with tips and make it. Guess what? That's gone now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, right? oh, no, absolutely. And the customers have become more vocal with the Generation Z coming up who live on their phones, right? I've seen, like, if you notice around us, when, you, like, when I go to a concert, when I'm going through, the, I went Universal recently, everybody who's, who's you know, Everybody around us, I think I, I'm not even give the age group, is looking their life through the lens of the phone. They have the phone in their hand with the camera on. I'm like, why don't you enjoy the live event? No, they're actually recording and looking through the screen. Uh-huh. <laughs> so yeah. if I'm if you're so used to it, the person on the other side of the counter does not know, doesn't even know how to take an order anymore, doesn't know how to greet. There's no small talk, there's no smile. So if I'm I was just at Starbucks like right before our call. And literally, her, the look on the face was, "Why are you ordering? To, like, why are you here?" Yeah, yeah, exactly. Order on the app and and don't talk to me because yes. uh, all I'm here to do is produce your coffee or yeah. produce your food. Yes, and this is what I saw. Frankly, we saw four or five years ago, and I'm like, "This is going to come." Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I started selling. And frankly, this was even before McDonald's kiosk had launched. I'm great. I'm very grateful that McDonald's kiosk actually validated of validated our startup and said, yeah. "Okay, you know what? This is a real business." So for those that that either missed the episode with uh, with Sam and or aren't familiar with what Grubber is, talk to me a little bit about what Grubber is and kind of where you guys are at in the market, what you guys are trying to solve. Because we've kind of talked in and around uh, the ideas of what Grubber is doing to you know to change the market. But why don't you uh, you know you talked about a little bit of the why, but uh, but what is it that Grubber does? And tell tell our audience a little bit more about your guys's product and how you guys are going to market. So Grubber is an enterprise platform for self ordering technology. Anything to do with self-ordering where if you cannot find a cashier, and I'll dumb it down, if you cannot find a cashier, if you want to keep your restaurants open in the afternoon or late nights, if you want to keep your restaurants open or any business open during weekends, holidays, and not deal, deal with labor issues, we are your answer. And what does that mean? We give choice to the consumer. So I think Sam must have brought up the airport uh, example, which is mm-hmm. I, can, I can be on my laptop and check in, select my seats and do everything. I can walk into the airport, go to the kiosk and do all of that same things. And now my last option is an agent. By the way, she'll be in the corner or he or she, and you'll never be able to find them. (laughs) And that experience as a consumer, we are now used to. I can order on Amazon. I can go return at Kohl's. I can go to Home Depot, buy stuff, or still go to Home Depot online on my desk. We are used to it now. It's inherent nature of human behavior, right? Hospitality has not changed, and that is what Grubber does. We provide a self-ordering technology in the form of a kiosk, in the form of QR code, on a, in a form of a website, and we take all the pain out of integrations. 
the biggest question is, oh yeah, but that's great, but I have my investment stuck with um with POS. I just bought NCR, Oracle, Square, Clover, and our answer is, hey restaurant, no problem. I will integrate. We have we are already partnered with them, and that's, that's a big piece or a big differentiator because uh, for the operator to understand that we are not a standalone device, which everybody else is. Yeah, well, and I, I think that's uh, that. I my next real line of questioning is is, and I, I said this. I, I I know I've said this a few times. Um, I grew up. Um, I grew up around the corner from Taco Bell's headquarters in in Southern California, and one of their test stores um, that in the early '90s used to be testing kiosks is was one of their Taco Bell's um, in Tustin, right right off of uh, right off the five freeway, yeah, and. And I, and I think about it, and I and I think about that experience, and quite frankly, the gap from where that experience is in you know 1993, 1994, where I saw them putting in those kiosks, to where it is today, it's amazing to me over the last twenty you know five you know twenty seven years that we haven't had more adoption because right. the experience even twenty five years ago was more consistent and better. Than going up to the cashier to get your food, and maybe I'm just an early adopter type person and a, a techno geek, but yeah. but I but I look at it and I go, how was Taco Bell? There was a Taco Bell and there was an Arby's, both of which were always 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 testing some form of new consumer based technology. Twenty seven years ago, yeah. back in 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 the Irvine area, talk to me a little bit about kind of kind of why do you think that is it is it just that labor conversation that you had and again this was in california so the the labor wages were significantly higher than they were in ohio say yeah. back in the 90s but but talk to me a little bit about why you don't think that more restaurants have considered a technology like rubber or or something else no that's a great question right um and i'll give that to restaurant people are let's say restaurants retail hospitality in general they are creative guys you're either good chefs very creative and have no understanding of technology, and you shouldn't. Mm -hmm. So putting a kiosk or self-ordering, I don't think people realize that it's going to disrupt their business operations tremendously. You're changing the way business is done in your restaurant. And that gravity of the situation is not understood. Usually the conversation is always around tech, which is, hey, let me look at the kiosk. What is the hardware? And can it connect into your uh, POS? I don't think that should be a conversation point. The conversation point is, you know what? When you put this kiosk in, your cashiers will have to find something else to do one and your kitchen is going to bombard it with probably hundred, hundred times more orders. So if you're taking 30 or 40 orders an hour, because you can control the speed at the cash register, you are now going to get 120 orders in the same time frame. How is your kitchen going to handle it? How are you going to deliver food? How are you going to keep the, is it a table tent? Is it a text message? Is it going to be a, um, a token number? Nobody's thinking or rather Nobody's consulting in that space when kiosks were installed, which is, hey, I'm going to disrupt the way your business is done in that brick and mortar. Yeah. And there's no process around it, and there's no coaching for the business owner. And, yeah. Well, and I, I was going to I, I was gonna say, I think that that's part of, um, you know, and, and it even hit with COVID with a lot of different people because you were opening up the, you know, when I... I I tell a very, very true story. Um, before I moved to, to Texas from Southern California, one of our favorite brands we used to love going to, it was a me Mexican brand, um, and my family used to love going there. Yeah. We happened to go on a Taco Tuesday, mm -hmm. and our experience was terrible in the middle of COVID. 
we it was an outdoor patio, so we were able to go in and order and 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 leave and go, you know, um, go out onto the patio to to um, to eat. But the experience was terrible because of what you're talking about with capacity management. So I think I think that that even if I recall back to the early '90s, um, back at the Taco Bell there was oftentimes where that experience wasn't the best because they hadn't considered all of the other things that are going into that, which is if you're going to increase your front end, you know, there's a built-in capacity. And and while I'm in agreement with you that um, while I'm in, a, in full agreement with you that, that things like the McDonald's line and the queuing system is antiquated and, and, um, and really, you know, troublesome, from a growth perspective, at the same time, there's a built-in capacity m- mechanism there where I walk in and I see 40 people in line. I either say I'm going to wait and I realize that it's going to take me a while, or I'm going to, you know, I'm going to leave and not experience that brand. The minute it all gets digital, one of the other things you need to consider is: is can your kitchen k- keep up, and what are your new guest expectations that you need to set? Talk to me a little bit about that and how you guys not only have you know, so, what does what your guys' experience look like on, on that as you guys are going to market? And that is a great question. Great question, Jeremy, there. So there are two. I, I'll answer this from a vision perspective where we see this should be, and I'll answer now. So today, when we, when we do a pitch or we get an inbound call from a restaurant chain and says, hey, I need kiosks, our first question is, why? Give me a floor plan and give me how operationally we are going to do this. Mm-hmm. And it's a long sales cycle and we are okay with it because when we deploy, we want to make sure there's adoption because the, the VP of IT or the CIO or the COO is not going to run that restaurant, the manager or manager of that store is. Yep. And guess what? They change every two weeks. <laughs> That's another problem. So we involve all the stakeholders and the people on the ground and say, we are going to put this here. Let's run a test order and let's see how the flow is going to look like. Yep. And tailor it and every brand is different. Absolutely. As a result of that, we have seen two things. Like, imagine if I give you a new tool and give you no training and it comes from your CEO and says, that's it. From today, I'm going to disrupt your whole restaurant operations. Go use this today morning. Yep. Versus yeah, so your adoption is not going to be very, very high. And ultimately, and you're going to get bad guest satisfaction scores and the, the project's going to die pretty quickly. That is correct. So what we are doing is this consulting, which is missing. So kind of it's, we call it, we do consulting piece first. Why? What KPIs do you want to hit? Is it, are you solving for labor? Do you want average ticket size? Or do you just want it because of guest experience? That alone is a, that alone can be a factor to put kiosks in. Mm -hmm. Right. And we ask all this in our Excel sheet and say, okay, now let's go pilot, track this for 90 days and we'll give you the numbers. Yeah. I can tell you like Burger 5, which is public, so I can tell you those numbers. And most of our customers are seeing the same. In the first three months, Burger 5 has over 75%, 70% usage, um, people walking in using the kiosk. I love it. I love it. Yeah, well, and I, and I think especially de- depending upon your clientele, as you talk about, I think as they continue to trend younger and they expect it, yeah. I'm of the demographic that I remember walking up to a ticket counter at the airport. <laughs> Yes. And walking into the bank to get money. And, yes. you know, I mean, I, all of us, I shouldn't say all of us, all of us that are 40 plus remember a time when you didn't have a kiosk at the airport or didn't have it on your phone 
all yeah. of us that are 40 plus remember a time when you had to go into the bank to get money. Yes, I don't know the last time I set foot inside of a bank and, and I've never, ever go to the front counter unless I'm having to check a bag because I'm taking my golf clubs to go play golf somewhere. Right. You know, that's the only time I ever go up to the counter at the airport. Every other time it's on my phone or at a kiosk for whatever reason. If I don't, if my phone's not working, I have to go to a kiosk, yeah. but I never actually go talk to anybody. Uh, yes. And that is, a, and the other, good, and again, not trying to sell grubber. I also want to let SMB, because another perception was, oh, McDonald's has the money. They are a big brand. They can afford this new tech. I want, I want everybody to know through this podcast, whoever is listening on the, on the business side, even if you have one restaurant operator, you can afford this kiosk. It's less than $200 a month with hardware software, right? So, and they need it the most. If I make, if I'm a single, single shop owner and I am making coffee while my customers are waiting in line, guess what? Put mm-hmm. in, you can take those 10 orders. Now you just stay in the kitchen and fulfill orders. Yeah. Well, and that was one of the questions I was going to ask is, is, you know, first you guys have democratized or, you know, I like to use the word democratize because yes, Taco Bell, McDonald's, they've got, an R and D department that's bigger than my company and your company combined, probably, you know, their IT department is, is enormous. Um, so they have the funding to do that. Part of where I see a lot of these tech, um, adoption is, is that it doesn't get to main street America. You know, I don't know the estimate, 700,000 restaurants across the country. Yes. 50% of them are chains, but the other 50% of them are, are mom and pops or, or small regional chains. Talk to me a little bit about kind of how you guys have figured out how to democratize that because it's not an easy thing to do to get it down to the level that, uh, that you guys have. No. So that's where the platform comes in, right? So when we built this platform, we said we are going to build this where, our cost of operations is low. It is self-sufficient where customers can log in or make their own menu, buy a kiosk. And that is when, that is when Samsung also came in, right? Uh-huh. Initially, a year and a half ago, we had to buy six different components and make our own kiosk. So we had a metal fabricator to build the housing. We had a, a screen provider who is a 21-inch or a 32-inch, right? Uh-huh. Elo. Microtouch, GT, you can name it, like on the B2B, on the business side of it. Yep. We had an Epson printer. We had a different scanner from Honeywell. And um, we had a payment provider from Verifone or Ingenico. So there were six components to assemble a single kiosk. Guess what? The pricing was then eight to $10,000. Yep. We, but it was still a compelling proposition even back then because it, it, it would pay off in three months if you t- t- replace a cashier position with it. Samsung came in and said, you know what, $2,500 all in. Yeah, which is insane. When, 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 I heard that, when I heard that on the back channels, I was like, holy smokes, that's insane. How Because the, the self-service in grocery is still at that ten dollars to $12,000 per lane, if not more, depending upon how big they are. So, yes. you know, and some of them are upwards of twenty five grand. But, you know, you look, at, uh, you look at what you guys have been able to do with Samsung. It's pretty amazing. Correct. And same thing, if you look at IT support on all those grocery kiosks, the Windows licenses you have to buy, and just the maintenance, you need an IT army to manage. Yeah. You have 100% cloud. Uh, there's, no, there's no additional licenses apart from that $2,499. And, you and you are good to go, right? That's amazing. That's and, amazing. And when you bundle it or lease it, we call it hardware as a service, you can get everything for one like less than 200 bucks a month. Yeah, that's really cool. And, then, and uh, I think I think a lot of people from the democratization. Now, talk to me a little bit about because you, you alluded to it earlier, which, you know, so you've solved the the, the problem of of, um, 
you know, the cost of everything. The, um, the, the, the question oftentimes is, how do I integrate that into my normal workflow of my business? You talked about it earlier, you alluded to it, and I think that, that I want people to understand that it is going to fundamentally change the way that your operations works. Yes. You've got to make sure that you understand that, you know, one of the things that we recognize, and I'd love you to, to, to riff on this for a little bit, Bevan, is, um, we, you know, once you put a kiosk in front of somebody, they modify an order more often than they would if they were standing at a cashier, um, or at least that's what our experience has been. That's and correct. so you've got to make sure that you've got your kitchen needs to know know how to do those things. They need to be sure that they're putting the right product in the right place so that the right people get it at the right time, hot food, hot, cold food, cold, all of those kind of things. And so talk to me a little bit about some of the operational changes that you guys have to consult people through in order to make it successful. Because tech for tech's sake, I say this all the time, is not a benefit to anyone. But tech to solve true business problems, as you're talking about, is critical and, and it pays for itself if done properly. But there's so much to learn and so much to to give as it relates to even how you operate your kitchen. How do you get your food delivered? How do you prep your food? How do you lay it out so that it gets to the right places? Talk to me a little bit. About it. I'm going to let you go for a while in this one because I think it's pretty interesting because I think it does need to change a mindset um, than just, hey, we're going to throw technology in there. We're going to fire a bunch of cashiers or we're going to turn them into cooks Correct. or whatnot. Correct. Technology just enables to solve your problem, right? It's buying a car. If you buy a car, if you don't start it and if you don't know how to drive it, it's not. It's just not going to drive for you. Yep, absolutely. But we have seen on the kiosk side, it's like, oh, COVID hit. I'm I'm going to buy QR code ordering, and everything is going to just start working automatically. And then you get this fr frantic phone calls on the call center and the support line. Oh, but it's not doing this, and it's not doing this. I don't know how to send the order. And I'm like, <laughs> sorry, I'm laughing because because yeah. your story is exactly the same way that uh, that I'm thinking about. Yeah, yeah so sorry. It's like, you know, when you have the, it's like buying a Tesla, and Tesla promotes this, and I'm I'm like, stop promoting auto drive. It does not drive itself. Mm -hmm. It enables you to drive better and have less accidents. Yes, it is automated to that extent. So yes. Kiosk will enable you to take more orders without having a human interface, but it's not going to solve. It's not a magic bullet. You have to still drive it and learn how to drive it. So coming back in the kitchen, we do multiple things. So we, a lot of these kitchens, they have um, somebody taking the order and then the same guy goes and fills out the drinks and the fries. Yep. And we're like, that needs to stop because now we don't have to do that. And we also give some. Uh, we also have a product called KDS Kitchen Display Systems. Mm -hmm. They are 21-inch or 15-inch screens. And instead of you just using kitchen chits um, or KOT kitchen tickets, have the tickets, but also use the screen now. Yep. Because when you have 50 orders, I can line them up in those in that screen. Oh, and by the way, why don't we divide the screen? So this is what we did at one of the customers. We gave them three screens to to alleviate that traffic and said. Screen one will get dining, screen two will get takeout, and screen will screen three will take all the third party and drive through and orders. So imagine the noise died, died down because we call it the throttling, right? Yeah, absolutely. Because right now what is happening is that printer, that kitchen printer, is printing an Uber order or is printing an online order which is going to be picked up at uh, noon. It's only it's eleven right now. I'm waiting at the kiosk. But but you know what the kitchen is going to do? Prepare that Uber order first. Yes, because it came out of the out of the ticket first. Yes. they're not going to not even going to look at the ticket and say, "Oh, this is not for another hour," right? Right. And I am standing right in front of that kitchen, and I'm like, 
but you just made that, but there's nobody there, but I'm waiting. I'm the first order in, the, in, in, in your dining area. It's like, oh, we don't, again, so those are the training uh, or, tra- or the changes we, we suggest, which is maybe use a KDS, maybe divide it by order types. That's one. Mm-hmm. Maybe yes. total number of orders. So we ask the customers, hey, customer, how many can you order, how many orders of burgers you can handle every hour? If you get more than that, guess what? I'm going to th- I'm going to hold it back. I'm going to queue it up for you, and I'll not bombard the kitchen. Number two, now third one, loyalty customers. I know Jeremy comes in at at this coffee shop every day at nine thirty, but today I have fifty orders from my mobile app. But Arcadius will tell you that you are a loyal customer. So guess what? I'm going to push it to the first of the screen. That's awesome. Love that idea. Right. So these are the you know so. The conversations we want to have with the restaurants are these, not, oh, can I buy? This is where, this is a, not only this is in the stage where we are like, can I buy a kiosk? And we are saying, let's go past beyond that. We have already democratized it. You don't have to worry about the cost and the connectivity. Let's not talk tech. Let's talk. When you get those hundred dollars in the kitchen, how are you going to manage it? Yeah. What's the business solution? How are you going to, how are you going to produce the food that you need for those customers? Correct. And then to your second point, can we divide the fry station and the burger station? Can we divide? And if we divide the fry station, how do we then, can you give, can we give you an expediter screen to connect all the orders back so you can give back, give it back to the customer? Yep. Now, well, how do you turn that cashier back into somebody that is doing that work rather than doing the cashiering and the drive-through and the cash handling all of that? Right. Sorry, I don't, I don't mean to cut you, cut you off, but I think about, you know, people people often say in, in the world that I'm in, oh, you guys are just trying to put in tech to eliminate jobs. And the truth is, is we're trying to get them to do more important jobs, like talk to the customer and make sure that they're happy with the order that they got, not just be a rote, you know, something that a kiosk can do for them. No, but that's a good point, right? If you see automation has always created more jobs. Automation will never take jobs away. And I can tell you this, at least on this restaurant side of the business, nobody wants to be a cashier. Tell, Show me one person in the US who will say, yes, I want a cashier position. Yes. Not, not very many. <laughs> no. Um, but they all want to do better jobs and do better things with their life, right? COVID has, you know, there's a great resignation. People don't want jobs. Because a lot of us have done some introspection and seen, what am I doing with my life? I want to do something more useful. Yep. So I want to contribute more, contribute more to the world. And sitting there taking burger orders all day long is not necessarily what I want to, what I want to be known for when I, when I'm, when I'm gone, right? Uh, right. So yes, have you prepared food? Yes, you can say, look, I can now make burgers and flip patties at at fifty per hour, and my customers are happy. And I'm interacting more with my customers. How is the food? How is family? How is sports? Weather, small talk. Nobody does that anymore. I, and we miss it, right? When you go to the restaurant, it's just busy, busy, go fast, 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 fast. That whole experience is gone, no matter where you go. Yep. And that is what technology will bring back or help yeah. bring back. Um, but yeah, so that's one piece on the kitchen side. But it's also then, how will the customer get their food? Because mm-hmm. the thing kiosk does or digital ordering in general has done You'll always, see, you'll always see Uber Eats driver and DoorDash drivers lingering around in the restaurant. You'll see, at, if you go to Starbucks, we order on the app and frankly, it defeats the purpose because every time I order from the app and I go, I always have to wait another 20 minutes anyway. Uh, yes, exactly. Because they, there's no segregation and there's no pickup mechanism because Starbucks said, okay, COVID app, but what after that? That's when the real journey starts. So the customer journey has even got worse with the app and with kiosk. 
So then we also consult and say, okay, so now the kitchen has prepped the food. How will the customer know? Is there a wait, waiting area? Is there sitting? Is there outdoor patio sitting where I can just wait and play games? I don't know. Uh, or can I text the customer if you're in the mall or if you're in a shopping um, you know, plaza? Can I say, thank you for your order. Please shop around. We'll text you when your food is ready. Um, I love that. Is there a food locker? Can I leave it in the locker? And then you can pick it up any, anytime you want. Same way, same. If you're using order ahead, instead of you, Domino's does a good, good job, right? Domino's, you know exactly when the food is coming to you. Yep. If you yep. do that for every restaurant, imagine the pain, which is the customer is now having to wait. So the whole idea of order ahead was not to wait. Guess what? After, after all these third-party delivery apps, you still have to wait. <laughs> Well, and I think I think part of the issue with Starbucks is they do have capacity problems and they don't do a good job of throttling. And so you have no idea. You send through and it's completely blind. That yeah. idea of, uh, of of Domino's is is perfect from a perspective of they're giving you updates as you're going along. Yeah. And so even if you know what, if you knew you were on your way to Starbucks and you needed to run to the CVS right next door to the Starbucks and you knew your drink wasn't going to be ready for ten more minutes. And you needed to go to CVS, you probably would go to CVS and then go to Starbucks. But instead, sometimes when you get there, you get there and it's ready. And sometimes when you get there, it's not ready. You have no idea and you have no line of sight into the capacity of that kitchen. And um, all right, I'm going to change gears here a little bit because I want to I want to talk a little bit about about where you think the future of this has gone. Um Maybe five, six years ago, I don't re- exactly remember, the, the guys up at Shake Shack did something where it was a completely digital restaurant in New York City. Yeah. I don't know if you remember that story, but they went completely digital, um, no no cashier. You know, they, they still had cooks in the kitchen, but but yeah. the guest ordering experience was exactly what you guys are doing. Yes. Um, they tried. My understanding is it didn't work as well as they would have wanted it to, and they went back to cashiers. When do you think that 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 adoption curve is going to be, you know, there's been a lot of accelerants. COVID's been an accelerant. This labor shortage and the great resignation has been accelerant. But when do you think it's going to be at a point where the majority of our ordering is going to be done digitally versus not? And and what do you think it's going to take us to get there? I think it's majority is done digitally after COVID, right? You order online, but brick and mortar digital um, is not there yet. Two reasons. I think the DNA of every, operator has to change. If you don't change, the CEO or the founder or the president has to buy it. It cannot be a, I, I think most of these projects today still live in IT. Oh, it's online ordering because it's tech, IT, you go take care of it. Yeah. I think it has to go upstream and the COO and the CEO has to buy into this and say, my DNA of my restaurant is going to change the way I operate and do business. That's one. And the second thing is on the vision side, in Five years is a long time, but even in three to four years, three years maybe, it should be where ideal scenario where Amazon or all the retail shops are. They had, imagine Amazon or all these retail chains were forced to do the same because they were getting 100,000 orders an hour. So yeah. Ideally, it should be when I open my restaurant as a restaurant operator at 9 a.m. or 10 a.m. every day, I should know what my capacity is going to be based on historical data. I should know how many customers are going to walk in today. I should know how much I have to order. How many employees I have to call in? Um, how and based on that, your throttling will be taken care of. And we have that data. I know for historically for a Thanksgiving weekend for last four years, hey you, hey you taco restaurant, you get 160 customers on lunch hour. So guess yep. what? 
I am your. You need today. You need four employees to come in, and I will auto schedule them for you, based on the performance. And they come in. At that point, kiosk is just an enabler, as I was saying earlier. It does not solve your operational problem, but I think it will be completely automated at some point, where I will know. It's basically forecasting. I'll know my employee forecast. I'll know my customers walking in forecast, and I'll know my order forecast. And based on that forecast, I will know how um, how to operate it. It's all data driven versus my gut and people texting in the morning. Hey, can you show up to work today? I did not expect this many people to show up. Yeah, exactly. Well, and I think I think to take that even a little further, my prediction is is that they'll know what you want from Starbucks, and they'll say, "Do you want you know the 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 tall cappuccino with an extra shot of espresso?" in your cart on your way there and they'll have that prepped you know i mean i think eventually it'll get to that point maybe yeah. three years from now four years from now five years from now because the same thing is happening every day with amazon i've got you know their smart cameras around my home and when the batteries are dying they suggest that the batteries need to be here in three right. days or they're gonna die right. that same tech exists within restaurants and we're not utilizing it nor is it democratized to a point that that people can can utilize it to make better business decisions so we, yes correct so i will touch upon that on, on the grammar side we have something called as your last five orders or uh, being a patron so if you can walk in and give your phone number in it will show your last five orders you don't have to pay again you just select it we have your credit card information and it'll say thank you jeremy for your order and that's it so it's there but there's a lot of other we also have a facial rec where while you're driving, I, you have a Grubber app or a Starbucks app in that case, but it's Grubber technology, for example. You're in that two-mile radius and it's lunchtime. I'll tell you, will you have your regular pizza today for lunch? Mm-hmm. It for you, right? It's coming, but there's a lot of PII rules um, on facial rec and all these using that personal identifiable, identifiable information is what is stopping innovation in the space. It's well, there. but it's but it's funny in retail. Yes, I I fully agree with you, and I know that you've got to walk that tightrope. Yeah. But I I think to myself, I don't get advertisements for makeup in my Amazon feed. My wife might, but I don't. Yeah. And you know what? I don't. You know, my kids, my youngest is six. I don't get diaper ads in my Amazon feed or my Target feed or my Walmart feed <laughs> or my you know any of it. Yeah. Um. And and but but it's amazing to me. I don't drink but I still get advertisements from every one of the brands that has alcohol that I subscribe to their newsletter. They've never, ever had me order a drink in their brand, but they still see the, and you know, because it's spray and pray, it's just, let's throw stuff out there. I think eventually it'll get to the point because I do have a fundamental belief. And I, and I say this often when I ask you, if you want to go to cheesecake factory for lunch, you're going to go, okay, normally at cheesecake factory, I get the club sandwich or I get the, you know, Chinese chicken salad. Do I want one of those two things? And if I don't want one of those two things, then I choose not to go there. Um, I think eventually we're going to get to a point where, you know, we're, we're, we're creatures of habit, you know, as, as human beings, we go to the same places, we try the same things, we eat the same things where we've had the good experience and the brands that can capitalize on that guest experience to deliver what I want, when I want it, how I want it through technology are going to ultimately win the race for that, that wallet share, in my opinion. Cannot agree more, right? And that's why I call it behind the phase one of this life cycle. First, it's adoption. Hey, restaurant, believe that digital is here to stay. Get out of the get out this uh, get out of this tech hamster wheel. Yep. Get to phase two where you have rolled it out to every restaurant, and now customers are used to force the behavior. 
Yeah. Once you have the adoption and for and customers are now used to it, phase three is make it smart. Yeah. Yep. Make it make it better for them. Better, the, yes. first, the first kiosk experience at the airport was pretty bad. And right. Nowadays, nowadays, you know, it's so much more efficient than any any you know uh, counter service deal that you could do. Right, because your Apple Face ID will be open at some time. Why can't I order through my phone and say, "Hey Siri, I'll take." Or Siri's like, "Hey, it's lunchtime," and then it orders and goes to the restaurant on its own. Or you yeah. walk up to the kiosk and the kiosk says, "Welcome back, Jeremy," without you doing anything. Yeah, love that. And and it is also doing suggestive sell because it's summer. I know what you ordered for your drinks last summer. Imagine yeah. that, right? And the summer special is back. And you don't have to think all this to your point about where Amazon and some of these retailers are. I think that that is where the restaurant needs to be. But the journey has to start with the DNA and the DNA change in the company itself. Because right now, yeah. we're very food focused and selling franchisees. And that's it. Well, and the other thing that I know has probably been a deterrent for you guys, because I hear it from a lot of different tech providers, is that that the core the core technology at the center of the store, the point of sale, has not always been the same open architecture that you have. While it's significantly yeah. growing, some of the legacy point of sale that's in more than fifty percent of the brands out there, they struggle with it. You know, now you talk about Clover, you talk about Square, you talk about you know some of these other. Um, upstarts, they are giving you the ability to have these kind of integrations because they're they're you know they don't have the the uh, scarcity mindset. They have the mindset that says you know what more transactions coming through their their platform the better, better. the more you know. Um, but some of those legacy guys, I, I know you guys probably ran into that as well. Yep, a lot, right? And yeah. it's nothing. They are trying, but you know when you're a company of that size and that old, it's it's tough with all the technical debt you are carrying and the architecture is just um, outdated now. And yeah. it's tough to just make such a huge change, right? And for the restaurants, it is. It's working. Why touch it? I'm paying thirty bucks for it. I don't want to touch it. <laughs> yep. No. I, I uh, because my because my job in the last ten years has been to sell away from some of that stuff and sell yeah. a, a newer point of sale that's open architecture and allows you to do stuff like you guys are doing at Kruber. Um It's uh, it's 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 been a fun journey because yeah. especially the bigger the brand is, with the bigger piece of tech they have in there the harder it is to get that sales cycle to happen not yeah. to mention the uh, the operational changes that need to uh, to go into place so and that is a real reason because they have to retrain all the employees and do operational change they don't want to change the tech yep yeah well change management is one of the hardest things people will ask who's our biggest competitor and i, I would i would suggest that your biggest competitor is is, you. is staying the same yeah. you know what you're you're selling change management as much as you're selling grubber um yeah. and uh, you know, you got to figure out how to how to get the pain of uh, of uh, staying the same to be greater than the pain of changing to to something new. And like like I've said, that the the accelerants of COVID and the accelerants of uh, yeah. of uh, the the labor shortages, I'm sure, are giving you guys some opportunities to, next, to help people out quite a bit. Yeah. Next time, you should ask the question about, and I I do this in the room for fun, which is, have you changed your car in the last ten years? Uh huh. Yeah. I, or your laptop. Or yeah. your laptop, yeah. and I say it all the time. It's like, really, you're you're not, but but they they're so averse to changing it. No, because your car is leaking. Like literally, I a lot some of the large customers we work with, they have an army of IT people mm-hmm. supporting menu changes. Yep, supporting just that the Windows Seven machine still works. So it's exactly <laughs> like having a nineteen eighty five Chevy and you doing oil change and going to like eight different mechanics. For doing eight different things, but will not change the car. Yep, exactly. You can't get yep. to work. You can't get home. You can't drive anywhere. Uh, it's just keeping you alive and stopping all your growth, but you will not change it. 
And that, there's no answer to that. And you're competing with somebody like McDonald's who's buying technology companies to, to, to compete in this space. And, and it's just so foolish when you think about it. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we are trying. And to your point, I think you hit it right, is the change management, right? Yep. It's not no, about, they're not scared about kiosks or digital. They're cha- they scared with change and retraining their employees because they, they themselves don't understand it. Yeah, or they they've seen, or they've been burned by too many technology companies in the past who have uh, who have who have promised them the world and didn't tell them. I mean, I, I love the fact that you guys have that concept of it's going to be hard and it's going to take work. It's yeah. not this you know this panacea of you buy this and and all your problems go away. No, you're going to have to change the way you do your operation. And I love that you guys have considered that yeah. because I think way too often tech companies are like. We're going to sell you this, and you know, to, to your example earlier, you know, we just threw in QR ordering at the beginning of COVID, and the world is going to be better. And the truth yeah. is, is it's not. It's yeah. not because no. you've got a lot of work to do. Yeah. So, twenty percent of those QR is gone now. At least, in yeah, it's it's gone. Yeah. Well, yeah. and and it's funny. We've got a customer that that deployed QR. Um, uh, and they said it publicly, so I don't feel bad saying it. Um, BJ's restaurants and brew house out of, out of Huntington beach, California, they went back to paper menus because they actually found that the spend was less on the phone ironically. And so it'd be, it'd be something interesting to look at the data on that. They at least found that showing pictures of the menu and showing pictures of the item, they actually were getting more spend than they were out of the QR in a table service environment. I think the opposite plays in a counter service environment because you've got the kiosk that can upsell and 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 do all of those kind of things. But I just thought it was an interesting yeah. approach because they had not, and I know their CTO, they had not done any upselling on the app. It was really just allow them to order and don't no. suggest a order the dessert or don't. You know, anybody that's ever been to BJ's has probably had a Pazuki or yep. seen a Pazuki come out. You yep. know that while well, you've got kids, I'm sure, you know, you're in Florida. I'm sure you've had a Pazuki or two in your in yep. your day with your kids. We have. So, we have. Yes. So. That is exact, that's exactly right. Right. And we did that survey with another customer, too. They, they deployed our QR code, kiosk and POS. And we had a table. The average ticket size was highest on the kiosk. Second was POS and QR code was third. And it was less than 5% adoption. We are also seeing in stadiums where they implemented QR code across all the seats and everywhere else, but it's less than 8% of total F&B sales at every game. Wow. Well, I was just oh. at a game this weekend. I was just at an FC Dallas game this weekend, yeah. and I had the QR code, and I chose not to because I was like, you know what? I know that my drink is not going to come very fast. I need to get up and just go walk. <laughs> right. and so I didn't, I didn't, I, I live in the tech space and I didn't trust, I trust the tech to work. I didn't trust that they were going to operationalize it. Uh, they're going to operationalize it well enough that I was going to meet my guest expectation. That is my point that they, they bought the tech and they have not trained their staff, which is temporary staff, which comes from churches and other spaces on how to deliver a QR code order. Yep. Yeah, they exactly. Manual for that. Right. So, yeah, so we understand. And that is where I think Grubber is committed on the education side that we will educate and consult if you have to yeah. they're OK with the long sales cycle, because we truly believe that we can change, fundamentally change how commerce is done at all these restaurants and um, businesses. Right. Retail. Love that. And Love that. So technology is just another vehicle for us to pass that message. It's a, technology is not our end goal. Technology is just a start and technology will then enable this experience. I, uh, I, we, we've gone all over the place. Um, 
and I love I love the conversation. I feel like I could sit and talk forever about where yeah. technology is today and technology Whatever. is going. Yeah. For those that want to know more about what you guys are doing at Grubber, give me some some insight. How do they get in touch with you? How do they get in touch with your team to to learn more about it? I love what your guys' passion is. I think that uh, there's a lot of market opportunity for you guys to to solve lots of people's problems. So yeah. tell our tell our audience how more to get a hold of your team and and learn more about whether uh, Grubber can help their business uh, to uh, to get into this uh, this next phase of of digital ordering. So best place would be www.grubber.com, G-R-U-B-B-R-R.com. Uh, it has our email, phone number. There's a, a page to submit your request. Uh, you can hit me up on LinkedIn, uh, Bavin, Bavin Asher. There are not too many Bavin Asher, so you'll find me. Okay. Uh, or search our G-R-U-B-B-R-R. Search the LinkedIn page and you can hit all the employees there. Uh, I love it. I love it. Can we, are are we at liberty to post the uh, the proposal video in the uh, in that same place? Because you can always go go search YouTube for that uh, that proposal that you talked about earlier in the call. Uh, no, please. I've I've tried burying, I've tried burying it. Like I've not, yeah, I bought that up after like seven years. I don't think anyone knows. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you for for the insight. I I know that uh, I know we we went pretty wide ranging yeah. as we talked not just about Grover but really the state of technology. Um, to our audience, guys, we know that you guys have got a lot of choices out there of different places that you guys can uh, can spend your time and energy. So we appreciate you guys spending time with us each each time we post one of these episodes. Um, go check out Grubber while you guys are online, while you're out there. If you haven't already subscribed to the newsletter, please do so. Once a month, you'll get an email with all of the blog posts and the podcasts that we've posted for the month. Um, Again, also connect with the guys at Grubber, connect with Bavin um, and his team. They'd love to talk to you guys more about what they can do. Bavin, thank you very much for your time. And to our audience, make it a great day. Thanks for listening to the Restaurant Technology Guys podcast. Visit restauranttechnologyguys.com for tips, industry insights, and more to help you run your restaurant better.